Hi, I'm your host, Brittany Spence, and this is In the Face of Illness. We are a podcast committed to cultivating a greater understanding of the many resources available for families facing childhood illness, because we believe this is a vital topic of conversation, not only for families in the throes of the fight, but for everyone. Ultimately, we are here to offer hope in the face of illness. Today, I'm interviewing Barbara Williams and Jackie Thomas. They are social workers in the neonatal ICU of Labonner Children's Hospital. Jacqueline Thomas is a licensed clinical social worker with 35 years of experience in the field of social work. She completed graduate school at the University of Michigan and has worked in various clinical and community settings, including acute psychiatric units in the Memphis area and in suburban Chicago. Jackie currently works as a medical social worker at Labonner Children's Hospital in the neonatal ICU. She is currently working on a certification for perinatal mood and anxiety disorders. She is a member of the Alpha Kappa Alpha Sorority and the National Association of Social Work. She enjoys gardening and sewing as ways to decompress from a stressful day. Barbara Williams is a licensed clinical social worker with 25 years of experience in the field of social work. She attended the University of Tennessee Knoxville for undergraduate and the UT School of Social Work with a focus in medical social work. She has worked in the hospital setting for 25 years and the last six years she has worked at Labonner Children's Hospital in the neonatal ICU. She is a member of the NASW, the National Association of Social Workers, and her interests are reading and watching movies and spending time with her husband. Welcome, Jackie and Barbara. We're so glad you're here. Uh, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> we always answer together. Thank you. <laughs> no, uh, thank you it. for asking us to be a part of your podcast. Yeah, well, just on behalf of the Four Spence Fund and on behalf of a mama, who, you know, spent time in the hospital. Thank y'all for what you do. Thank you for your service. Um, I don't know if you get the appreciation that you really should, because I know that y'all are just invaluable to families at the hospital, and um, you connect the families to so many different aspects, whether it's different um, subspecialties or it's different areas or um, other resources that are in the community or just encouraging and sitting with them and hearing their stories or just being a listening ear. And um, as a mama, I just want to say thank you for what you do and how you serve the families and how you love them in their darkest days. And so uh, it's an honor to have you all here with us today. And thank you for taking time just to be with us. Yeah, thank you. Thank you. So, will you explain your role as a social worker in the neonatal intensive care unit? As a social worker, we're our role is um, medical social workers, and we work primarily with the mothers of of babies that are have been hospitalized, and these are neonates. Usually, um, we we get babies from the tri-state area. So we work with moms from all kinds of communities, come from all kinds of communities. And our role at the hospital is first of all to connect them with different resources that that, um, that Le Bonner has to offer 
and making them feel uh, comfortable and trying to help them adjust to their babies being at the hospital because we know that it's very stressful to be in a neonatal setting uh, in a critical care unit. And um, so our role is to, first of all, do an assessment to uh, kind of find out what resources they need uh, to help them, as I said, to adjust onto the unit. And so we get uh, family history. Uh, we kind of assess um, what kind of services they need uh, from the community aspect as well as from a family uh, unit. And uh, we um, assist the, the care team uh, where we uh, do rounds with the doctors and the, neo, in the neonatal nurse practitioners, the uh, pharmacists, and anyone else who's part of the medical team. So uh, our role is to, to uh, support them as well and communicate to them about the needs of the family, which is very critical because we gather information that they may not be uh, privy to. And so we try to um, help the medical team to kind of get a bigger picture of, of the families, the type of barriers they may have in terms of visiting the, um, the bedside with the, with the babies. Um, and I know I'll have Barbara kind of pick up from there. <laughs> yeah, I don't want to. Yeah. Well, I was going to say that a lot of times said, when Jackie said that, you know, we have babies that are sent to us. They could be babies that have been at another hospital for mm -hmm. three or four months and because mm -hmm. of the specialties that Labonner can provide, that's an adjustment for family, especially when they're living leaving their support group, mm -hmm. whether it's their family or the community. Just coming to Labonner can be somewhat overwhelming for them. And especially when there's so many different specialties that could be involved with your child and uh, we think that the parents we have to try to get them to adjust to a whole new set of doctors whole new set of nurses staff and we're there to try to make them feel as comfortable and have a good understanding of what is going on with their child so we as Jackie said we provide an assessment initially with the parents but we also try to be there as an advocate for the parents to understand what their child is going to need, what they may need in the process of being here in mm -hmm. Memphis and being you know, in such a large town. And we just try to be there available for them at all times. Neonatal means that uh, babies that are, when they're first born, um, when those babies have specific uh, needs where they may need intensive uh, treatment, uh, critical care, it's a critical care unit. So the neonates are babies that come to us from the birth hospitals who are in need of, of the critical care, meaning babies who were born with different anomalies, babies who uh, require surgeries for different reasons, uh, babies may have, for instance, something like uh, 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 
a heart dis, a heart defect mm-hmm. or babies who may need uh, uh, treatment for uh, a variety of reasons, but gastroschisis, uh, they may have uh, different... Uh, Premi- um, definitely premature prematurity. Yes. So twenty, kind of twenty-two, twenty-three, weakers. Uh, twenty-three week, weakers. Yeah. All the way up to Always, really, yeah. yeah, premature births. Right. Pretty much. Right. Uh, that then often why they're brought to Labonner and correct me if I'm incorrect, but is that they need more than feed and grow. Right. So often it's exactly. your kind of community birthing hospitals. Mm-hmm. Some of those hospitals have NICUs as well, mm-hmm. but maybe they don't have the subspecialists that are uh, child children's hospitals like Labonner or mm-hmm. Children's Hospital Orlinger or, or uh, Monroe Carroll have mm-hmm. the subspecialists to be able to handle the heart defects or the gastroschisis or the mm-hmm. esophageal you know right, disconnection right. those right. kind of things that it's right. more than just to feed and grow. Mm-hmm. And we consider. Labonner is considered as having, uh, we're a level four. Right. Uh, and that's, you know, every hospital, not every hospital, because some are so small, they just do well babies or not babies at all. Right. But Labonner is a level four hospital, and I think that's the closest one within a certain range. The next, the nearest other hospital is would be Nashville. Right, right. So it's a pretty big... Right range and mm-hmm. I think one of the things that I think that y'all are really so important that you talked about is that these families are coming potentially 150 miles mm-hmm. from yes. their home and yes. so they're separated from their entire support system exactly. and they're sleeping in the NICU room with their baby. Maybe some of them are at the home that's close by at the FedEx family house. But most of them are completely separated. And then you add on top of it COVID. And COVID has even, unfortunately, taken away much of their support group at all. There was a time where it was just one parent. Mm -hmm. Then, thankfully, we were allowed to bring in, um, and I want to say caregiver, because really Mm -hmm. we're talking about Mm -hmm. it could could be that it's not the parent that is the caregiver. It could be the grandparent Mm -hmm. or... But that it was one caregiver. Now, thankfully, it's two caregivers. But they've really lost. And so you are the support often for them. You may be the only support Mm -hmm. that Mm -hmm. they have that they can open up to and speak to or even say, I don't I don't know what to do about my children back home or I don't know what to do. My boss doesn't believe that my child is sick or um, and that y'all would be the ones to help them kind of with some of those resources as well. Is that correct? That's correct. Sometimes we provide um, work letters to Mm -hmm. parents to give to their employers or we may advocate for schools if it's a person who's in college or even in high school, a mom who's had a baby. And uh, so we as part of our assessment is to really see what your needs are to help you feel more supported while your baby's in the hospital. But also when we do the assessments with the mothers, we also uh, do the Edinburgh postnatal scale, depression scale, mm-hmm. where we assess the, the mothers to see just what their mood their mood is like uh, are they eating well sleeping well are they how, how are they really functioning how are they really coping with the baby being in the hospital 
So we give them the survey or this to uh, complete for us, and we also uh, assess them for anxiety disorders. So they have two, uh, two screenings that we give, and we also have a, a counselor, a PhD uh, counselor on staff, and if the mothers score within a certain range, then we refer to uh, the counselor to follow up with them. Is that something that you also do for fathers and other caregivers, or is it primarily, so it's it's all? Right, it's okay. all. It's so whoever yeah. the caregivers whoever are. the caregiver yes. could be, yeah. yes. That are yes. coming in right. and yes. taking the role of right. being by the child. Okay. Yeah. Right. We've okay. noticed, a, uh, and we've been doing this for, a, what, a little over mm-hmm. a year now? Mm-hmm. That's what I wondered. When did the assessments come about? We've been doing it for over, <laughs> over a year, year now. now. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So it's really uh, been since COVID. Yes. Yes. Okay. yes. Is that something been. that y'all saw coming even before COVID? Is something you felt like you needed to do, or is it because of COVID? Well, I think we knew it was important. We had uh, gotten information from some of the other hospitals in different regions, and that this was something that they noted that would help the overall, you know, situation for the parents if we were more doing more screening of the parents. When parents, just like we talked about, when they're away from their support, new city, my child is sick, uh, you're telling me I could be here six to eight months, and it was just so overwhelming that I think that Nick Eunice started to realize that it's just not the patient. It's also, mm-hmm. you know, we're, we're dealing with the parents to make things move smo- smoothly for everyone that it was important to just do that. But I, it sort of hit right around the time of COVID. Mm-hmm. And we've noticed the numbers just have been extremely high as far as anxiety and depression and even when we were doing our assessments a lot of times we would pick up that there may be some mental health issues or that may have been diagnosed or may not have been diagnosed and we just started once we started getting into using the screen it had picked up a lot where we could refer families to counseling and uh benefit from your program, of course, but uh, we just noticed that it has made such a difference in how the families communicate with staff, with the doctors, mm-hmm. and with their own child. And what's the name of the assessment? So if there's another social worker at another children's hospital um, that's listening in, what's the name of the assessments y'all use? Because maybe that's something that they could utilize in their own hospitals. It's the uh, Edinburgh Postnatal uh, depression scale. scale, yeah, and then the pass is the perinatal perinatal assessment anxiety screening scale. Right, great, right. right. yeah, okay, okay. Right. And you all have seen those have been really successful mm-hmm. in being able to diagnose maybe things that are even underlying that families aren't even aware are such triggers for them, right. yes. and things that are causing stress and fear. And I know. I've seen some of those um, because of your referrals to us or Dr. Torres' referrals to us. Mm-hmm. Um, we've seen some of those as well. So I've known that it's, I've definitely noticed that they're a little bit newer. Right. Um, and I would like to add also that Dr. Davison is one of the, uh, the uh, uh, neonatal doctors, uh, neonatologist, who has a passion 
for what we do, and she she heads up kind of this this whole program with us screening the mothers, and so she and Dr. Talati, uh, who was a medical director, uh, actually pushed this forward, and uh, so we're hoping that based in the future, based on the data that we collect, because we keep uh, an account of all the screenings that we do, so we're hoping that we can even increase some uh, funding for our program that, that we're uh, doing with the mothers to try to get even more services for them because we have recognized the, uh, since COVID, uh, we have had a lot more uh, mothers who are uh, experiencing tremendous stress mm-hmm. uh, on top, you know, on top of all the other Right. factors that are going on in their lives. Uh, right. We just notice an increased amount of, uh, especially anxiety, but the depression as well. And as Barbara said, a lot of the moms uh, were predisposed already to depression and anxiety, but you put on top of that the uh, hospitalization of uh, their babies being oh, at the okay. hospitals even more so. And, and so the mothers come in with grief loss issues. Mm-hmm. So we deal a lot with the, those factors, you know, because, uh, you know, the mothers had a vision of what their birthing experience would mm-hmm. be like, but it didn't work out. They couldn't hold their baby initially. They couldn't really provide the love and support that they envisioned they, w- they would have uh, in and uh, after the birth of their baby. So we deal with those factors too, uh, uh, you know, and we actually deal with mothers who unfortunately um, have to deal with death. Mm-hmm. And so it, it's, and we address those issues as well. We refer mothers to different resources, support groups uh, that they may uh, need uh, once their babies are, are you know, uh, have, have, have passed yeah, or the babies that, you know, may go home and they still need that added support because they're still having to deal with so many different emotions mm-hmm. and taking uh, a, a relatively sick baby home, mm-hmm. babies that require so many different follow-up visits. Mm-hmm. Um, and you put on top of that the financial strain of of having to, you know, take the babies to the doctor because, you know, with gas prices soaring, um, you know, so we have so many uh, different resources we try to look at beyond just leaving right. Lebanon. And so in the future, in, in the, the future, future, yeah, in the unknown, in the unknown. unknown. Yeah. But we right. try to prepare them, you know, for taking this child home that mm-hmm. may need a, a lot more needs than mm-hmm. what you expected. Mm-hmm. I mean, mm-hmm. we have classes that they can attend training. Uh, mm-hmm. We encourage them to stay at bedside consistently and do the care of themselves instead of the nursing. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. It tr- it, it's a process of trying to prepare for whatever level your child needs is that you will be able to care for this child and love this child mm-hmm. just as if you were had, mm-hmm. had birthed this child and went directly home. Yeah, because in some cases we have to refer to Department of Children and Family Services or CPS, uh, Child Protective Services in some states. But um, if we feel that a mother needs that added support, added resources, we will refer to Department of Children and Family Services because 
we recognize some children are at risk uh, when they go home. And so we openly share with the parents that what we're doing, because uh, we do have some babies who come to Labana who've been drug exposed mm -hmm. in utero. Mm -hmm. And so we have to uh, recognize that you know, is is never cut and dry. Right, of course. It's, mm -hmm. it's, it's, uh, Each case has got to be so different. It's, exactly. Yes, not seeing yes. the same. And well, what what would you want a caregiver to know about your job, and how can you best support them while their child is in the hospital? I think one of the first things when I enter a room, I and tell the family that I'm your assigned social worker during your stay here. I am here to provide services, support. I think sometimes we have some families who have had some interaction with social workers that may not always be on the positive side. Mm -hmm. And that's not necessarily the case. And even when Jackie mentioned about the DCS, DCS or Department of Children's Services, it's not always about removing the child from the home. It's about providing services in that home so that child can remain in a safe, loving environment. Mm -hmm. And that's part of what we do. I think mm -hmm. we, we have to look mm -hmm. at what is going to be best for this child, and we try to provide. Because you're really the advocate for the child. Yes. Yeah. And yes. in turn, mm -hmm. obviously, you know, you you want the child to be in the best, safest place possible. We hope right. that's in the caregivers, right. in the parents' home. But you are doing, you are their advocate. You right. are their sister. And especially, I think, with our little neonatal, you know, they, they can't speak for themselves. Can't. And mm -hmm. they can't advocate for themselves. Mm -hmm. And so they definitely need mm -hmm. you. Mm -hmm. um, we hope that it is with their parents. Right. Um, mm -hmm. So... So you go in when they are admitted. Um, mm -hmm. You know, I know in my own experience, mm -hmm. uh, it is a blur. Mm -hmm. There is um, a real shock. Mm -hmm. You know, you just, um, in, in our experience, I, you know, birthed my son within 12 hours, all in the middle of the night. You know, we're told that he is very, very sick. He is dying at, at the birthing hospital and that he needs to be life lighted to Lavonner Children's Hospital. I'm not from here. Mm -hmm. And so for me, it was like they just said foreign words. Mm -hmm. I didn't even know Lavonner existed. Mm -hmm. um, and so I really was just in complete shock. And so then, you know, they continue to say, the neonatologist continues to say, you know, I need you to sign all these papers. They're on their way. You know, you need to come down and say your goodbye. I do not know whether he will make it or not. And you're also, you know, you're being woken up mm -hmm. in the middle of the night. It's 4 a.m. And then you see your tiny baby put into a, um, what are they even called? Yeah, those flight. Um, yeah, but it's like a isolate. Yeah, into the isolate. Yeah, and you know, put in and and taken away. Mm -hmm. And um, and so then when we were at Le Bonner within, you know, 12, 14 hours, it all just seems like, what just happened? Mm -hmm. And so um, I personally don't even remember the social worker coming in. Um, I don't remember a lot of things those mm -hmm. first few days. And so, um, you know, I think it's important, too, that the staff realizes that the the caregivers, especially that mother who's just birthed this brand new baby, mm -hmm. may still be struggling from C-sections, 
vaginal births, whatever, um, that they may need to have numerous conversations because that first right. conversation may not click right. the way that you want it to click. But mm-hmm. so you go and meet with them, you explain who you are, right. and really in that point you're assessing them, right. correct? That's, that's correct. And trying yeah. to get to know them because you have to meet them where they are. Right. You know, tell me a little bit what you know about the baby's right. medical condition. So a lot of listening. Exactly, mm-hmm. right. exactly. Yes. Yeah. yes, very much so. It's a lot of listening, and we're a sounding board right. initially. Mm-hmm. Um, letting them tell their let story. Letting them mm-hmm. tell their story, because mm-hmm. as Barbara said, you know, I think it's really important as part of the assessment is to get them to kind of tell us, what did you hear the doctor say? Correct. Mm-hmm. Because mm-hmm. a lot of times, Families really, like you said, you it's know, it's mm-hmm. it's you, you know, it's you're it's in a, shock. Mm-hmm. You're in shock. It's it's almost, and we talk about trauma, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. and that whole experience, this trauma, the birthing experience mm-hmm. may have been traumatic right. for them. Mm-hmm. You know, the mother sometimes may the think she's gonna oxygen. Yeah, or, yeah baby's a lot losing of things, oxygen. Right. So, right. so they they're they're still in that state mm-hmm. of shock and that in that kind of trauma like mindset. You know, I don't know no one's telling me anything I gave birth to the baby and then they took my baby away so we try to get them to kind of debrief mm-hmm. and tell their story about what they just experienced what do you what do you understand and if they don't understand then we will get the medical team someone mm-hmm. on the on the care team to come in and explain exactly What's what going is going on, going on going with on. your baby what are the next steps and that's mm-hmm. why we attend rounds uh, not every day, but most days we try to attend rounds so that we can hear some of the medical jargon. And if we don't understand, we ask because right. we're not, you know, the we hadn't been trained, trained in medical yeah. school. <laughs> but, you know, there are a lot of things that we learn by asking. Right. And so we empower the parents uh, to also be involved, come, be involved right. Right. come to the rounds mm-hmm. because the doctors, the team, love, love, love to see parents at bedside mm-hmm. during the round time. So we tell them, say, between these hours is when you can see the entire team, the pharmacist, the neonatologist, the nurse practitioner, the nutritionist, you know, the dietitian. Mm-hmm. And you can lactation hear. Consultant. Lactation exactly. consultant. Lactation. Yeah. So right. you can Therapist. actually hear mm-hmm. a lot of the things that are going on with your right. baby. Although the doctors still uh, update parents throughout uh, the day, mm-hmm. if necessary, but mm-hmm. if you get and rounding th- typically is every day, every, every day, day at nine o'clock. <laughs> and we're and I just want to make sure we are saying we're speaking on behalf of Lebanon Children's Hospital. Mm-hmm. Each hospital, you know, mm-hmm. if you're listening from a different hospital, each hospital may do it a little bit differently, mm-hmm. um, but. Labonner Children's Hospital, they round, and when we say they round with the care team, the care team is a mix of all those who have a part in that baby mm-hmm. child's care. Right, right. So it may be, like we said, the dietitian, the nutritionist, the lactation consultant, pharmacist, pharmacist mm-hmm. social work, maybe yes. chaplain, maybe mm-hmm. palliative care, exactly. case manager. They might all be involved. So it's really important in talking about what you want a caregiver to know. It's very important that they're honest with you and that they're open with maybe how, you know, anything that y'all would need to be aware of that happened, especially in a neonatal, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, happened throughout the nine months or five Mm -hmm. months or however long the mom was pregnant. Right things that maybe happened, what the birth experience was like. Um, In the case of 
um, you know, older children, you know, really being honest with the sickness that brought them in or the trauma that brought them in or the injury that brought them in, because it's important that when you're assessing that you're able to really have all of the facts and then from there to be able to know Mm -hmm. how can you best help them. And so, um, and y'all's job is to not be judgmental. Exactly. To not be judgmental about whatever happened. Mm -hmm. And because Mm -hmm. we all know as moms and dads that we have our own guilt Mm -hmm. and our own issues that we deal with. And so um, we... I think sometimes why maybe caregivers aren't honest is for the fear of being judged of one thing or another. And, um, and so y'all are there just to listen Mm -hmm. and to assess Mm -hmm. and then to be able to offer the best support that you possibly can. Yes. Okay. And and what are some examples? um, We're going to talk a little bit about how we collaborate with you, but what are some examples of support that maybe outside resources that you actually, or even inside resources. We talked a little bit about um, uh, the psychologist that is on staff at Le Bonheur Children's Hospital. That's a newer mm-hmm. role as well. And so I know y'all utilize that support a lot. Mm-hmm. What are some of the other supports within the hospital that you utilize? And then we'll talk a little bit about resources outside the hospital. So what are some support resources that you really utilize within the hospital? We, we usually uh, sometimes may refer the um, moms whose babies are up to, I believe, up to three months. We refer to Healthy Families. It's a resource that provides, uh, once the baby goes home, they have ra- kind of wraparound services. So they have a nurse who may visit the home uh, along with the social worker. And so when they go into the home, they can actually see some of the... the um, some of the barriers that mom may have into actually doing a good care for the baby. And those are just Shelby County kids, kids within the Memphis area. Um, but then outside of the Memphis area, we have, uh, well, like the, in Arkansas. In Arkansas, we, we have to call around to some of the mm-hmm. health, health mm-hmm. department agencies to mm-hmm. find out if they have uh, resources available. Mm-hmm. We just call yeah. around and just find out there's a, a healthy a national healthy families also but we just have to go state by state mm-hmm. as to, to find out who what county is providing. And that's I think right. one of the hard things about oh, where yeah. Labonner is located <laughs> yeah. right. is yeah. if you know our listeners aren't aware of exactly where Memphis is we mm-hmm. are you know right there where mm-hmm. we're touching Arkansas and mm-hmm. Mississippi, Mississippi and yeah. we have the bootleg Boot- of, Missouri. of Missouri yeah, yeah. and uh Part of Nash uh, up to Nashville or Johnson City, we get quite a few referrals from right. Johnson City. And we've even seen some of Alabama, right. the North oh, part yeah. of Alabama. Just thinking about yeah. the families I've mentored, um, mm-hmm. and but, then other resources within the hospital. I right, know right. you have, you know, a lot of these parents come in and mm-hmm. don't have car seats to be able to take mm-hmm. them home, right. and so that's right. something y'all will refer mm-hmm. within we, the hospital, we correct? Get, that's correct. We we get a car seat, or if they need uh, like a uh, uh, what Packet is that? Packet Packet play. Play, yeah. Or a car bed, mm-hmm. kind of, uh, uh, you know, something for them to right. go home in. But we also provide families with uh, meal vouchers. Yeah. If they don't have, uh, you know, the resources to buy a, a good lunch or dinner mm-hmm. or breakfast, we, we give them food vouchers. Yeah through the social work department. Mm-hmm. We offer we, gas cards. We offer gas cards to, to you know, we, we get uh, 
uh, donations within the within the hospital. We may get donations from uh, like one of the local churches, mm -hmm. and so we have those to to give to the families. They're twenty five dollars. Also donate and, some. Yeah, yeah. Well, we're gonna get to more <laughs> Yeah, yeah. But, uh, but and eventually and, therapy. I know yeah, therapy. Yeah. Yeah. Obviously that. Um, you know, we work closely with the therapist with the NICU Development Center, but you've mm -hmm. got your physical therapist, your occupational mm -hmm. therapist, and your mm -hmm. um, speech therapist. Right. And then you also have mm -hmm. the lactation consultant, mm -hmm. um, if the mother is breastfeeding or pumping. Child life, child, life child life is there to help educate the parents mm -hmm. about siblings medical. Too. Yeah, and siblings, yeah. Right, right. Uh, so y'all really are kind of a um i wish i could even come up with the word but you're you're so crucial to where it's almost like you're the the nail that holds it in and then from there we have all the different things but mm -hmm. you're really kind of the first point of impact oh, yeah. of who mm -hmm. is meeting the family assessing mm -hmm. the family mm -hmm. getting to know the family and then best seeing what resources that they need yes and also for families that do live 50 miles or more away we we place them or give them reservations at the FedEx family house mm -hmm. is similar to a Ronald McDonald house mm -hmm. and so as long as their babies are hospitalized they can stay there but we monitor those reservations so we may give a little bit of time in the beginning and then we extend their stay as needed. Yeah. Uh, but we uh, just make sure that the families are comfortable uh, with that resource and we also provide the uh, transportation to and from the house so they won't necessarily have to drive to and from mm -hmm. at all times of day because mm -hmm. especially at night we mm -hmm. want to make sure that there's staying safe yeah. in the community so it's been a kind of a godsend to have that uh, resource sure. yeah. That's yeah. A, yeah. such yeah. a resource yeah. and I want to say as a you know as a parent and as someone from the four spence fund you know my encouragement if you are a caregiver listening or you are a uh, sibling or a parent member or a friend of a caregiver my encouragement is reach out to your social worker be honest, be open, have these conversations, mm -hmm. and make sure you're telling them your needs and your mm -hmm. concerns, mm -hmm. your fears, mm -hmm. your desires, your mm -hmm. hopes. Mm -hmm. Even I always say, too, be honest about how much you want to be involved and, mm -hmm. and that you would like to be as involved as possible. And what does that look like? Mm -hmm. And um, the social worker, you know, they're really such an advocate for you. And so, you know, if you're someone that has has found out that, um, you know, you're gonna your child's gonna have to go in the hospital because something was diagnosed in the womb, and that you have time to prepare before, make sure you know that that is a resource for you at the hospital. Well, how do you collaborate? How do you see that the Forest Spence Fund really provides for your families, and how do you utilize us for the families that you come in contact with? Oh, wow. I mean, we look at Forrest Spence as a godsend for us in terms of the parents, you know, that we have screened or noticed that may need some long-term counseling. And uh, we've just made so many referrals to you guys for our parents to be able to talk with someone on the outside at their convenience, uh, sometimes uh, virtual which has been such a blessing here lately. 
that that has been just made all the difference for our parents. We can see the difference and how they communicate with staff, with us, and just coping by being there in the hospital. Uh, a lot of times, you know, a, a family is not prepared uh, mentally to be in a hospital for months, months at a time. And having that resource has just been just wonderful for us. Yeah, and we also appreciate you, Brittany, for you know, your program and all that you all do. Um, we know that some families uh, can't work. Mm -hmm. And as a result of their, their babies being in the hospital, they've in, the, the families have incurred some financial stressors. And so Forest Spence has been great in providing grants to families. Uh, we usually uh, collaborate with the families to complete an application process. So uh, once we submit the applications to you all, you let us know if the family qualifies for those benefits. So uh, a lot of the families look so grateful that Forest Spence has been there to provide them the resources to care for their babies while the family, while the baby's in the hospital. Um, I had a, a family that you all helped. Uh, families needed a generator. Mm -hmm. uh, they lived in a rural community and um, they didn't have the money to buy a generator. Uh, their baby had a tracheotomy and um, the families just were so grateful that they were able to get it installed because they were fearful if their lights, because their lights would go off mm -hmm. uh, that area. in that area. Mm -hmm. You know, a storm comes through, it just knocks it all out. So um, we just were so grateful that you all were able to, to help that family. And that's just one example. There are many examples yeah. of how you yeah. all have benefited families. So. Um, it provides one less stress to worry about when something like that is taken care of. We can focus on the well-being of our child, not worrying about what are we going to do when we get home and yeah. the light goes mm -hmm. out and what's going to happen mm -hmm. to this mm -hmm. little one. So mm -hmm. Right, right. Mm -hmm. Well, we're so thankful that you do see that there's needs mm -hmm. and that you utilize the resources like the Forest Spence Fund and other resources in the community, whether it be churches or other nonprofits or, um, you know, the other areas that often, and, and we hope to continue our relationship where we can partner with you guys to be able to help the families the best way possible. Mm -hmm. And um, obviously in the 14 years we've been doing it, we've learned so much and um, we've made mistakes along the way, but we've also learned a lot in the ways that um, in really collaborating with the partners in the hospitals of knowing what are the best ways that we can meet families' needs mm -hmm. and support them in their time of need. And um, so just know that we will always be a resource to y'all in whatever mm -hmm. way. Mm -hmm. um, is there anything else that you think our listeners should know in regards to social work or your role or how they can best utilize you or even, you know, some of our listeners maybe don't have a sick child themselves but they know someone. One of the things we always say at the Forest Spence Fund is at some point in your lifetime, you're going to be impacted by childhood illness. 
we pray and hope it is not your own child, but it may be a nephew or a niece. It may be a cousin or a friend or a neighbor. But at some point, you're going to know a family who has a sick child. Mm-hmm. And you're going to wonder, how can I support them? How can I love them? How can I help them? And so what would you say to the listeners who maybe don't have their own child who's sick, but they know someone who does? I would say that, you know, as I talk to families and I do an assessment, I, you know, really kind of focus a lot on their support system, as you mentioned. It's so important to uh, kind of talk about who, who's in your family that supports you more and what does your your community looks look like and so for some families they may have they may be involved in church or they may be involved in a community organization so i look at it and say we need you to take care of yourself as you know while your baby is here because we know that it takes a toll on your mind and body so it's important that you eat well sleep well mm-hmm. so i say to them if people ask you how can they support you, say, you know, drop off a hot meal to me every once in a while, you know, because because of COVID it's impacted how many people can actually go into the hospital mm-hmm. setting. So the, the families are, are you know, kind of confined to only two people at bedside. And prior to COVID, you had multiple family members, friends who could come visit the, the babies and support the family. So. So sometimes families feel very isolated and feel very alone sometimes because they can't have all those other people coming in. So I would say, you know, support the families by, you know, sending notes to them or dropping off of a meal, you know, creating a, a, you know, the Bonder does a very good job because one of the resources within the hospital is we have a pantry uh, where we provide snacks and meals but, you know, we want the families to have even more nutrition. And so it's important to have, you know, vegetables, fruits. And, mm-hmm. and if, unfortunately, we don't, in part of the pantry, you can't have <laughs> perishable things. Yeah. So, right. so I think that it's just important to um, drop off drop healthy, off thing. healthy right. things right. for them. Gift cards. Help, gift cards for right. gas, you know. So yeah. gift cards for gift, Uber Eats, food. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, Uber Eats some food in there to the families, yeah. you yeah. know. But we also have a, and, uh, one of the things, we have a closed closet. Right. So we provide families with with items they may need, toiletry items while their babies mm-hmm. are hospitalized mm-hmm. or children are hospitalized. We provide those things. Uh, to yeah, the and the Forest yeah. Spence Fund actually is the comfort cart. I don't know if y'all are aware of that, yeah, but all yeah. the toiletries actually, for the most part, oh, okay, right. and we have come from us. Yeah, yeah. That because too. that that That's came, right. you know, That's from right. just being in the hospital as a yeah. mentor and seeing these families right. rushed in, yeah, right. not yeah. knowing their child's going to be sick right. and they don't have shampoo or conditioner, right. and you go down, you know, mm-hmm. to that um, gift shop and mm-hmm. you spend forty bucks just right. getting you some exactly. stuff. So we we that's a big thing that we do so mm-hmm. my encouragement to support systems and those that have neighbors or friends or cousins is do something right mm-hmm. the right. family may say oh we're okay but they're not That's right. they're right. not okay they're not and so okay. um don't you don't always have to ask just do just drop mm-hmm. off gift cards that's right you know right. go clean their yard rake their yard yeah, that's right you know that's go right. clean their house or stock their fridge mm-hmm. if they live close by or 
send something to the FedEx family house or to the Royal McDonald's, wherever they're staying, or even send a text that just mm-hmm. says, thinking of you today, yeah. how so-and-so doing, or send texts that they don't even have to respond because the caregivers are exhausted right. and responding exactly. sometimes. Right. But if you just send one that says, thinking of you today, mm-hmm. you're in my thoughts, you're in my prayers. So yeah. um, I think... I would encourage them to come pick them up and take them away right. from yeah. the get hospital a break. just for right. a little break, just yeah. to mm-hmm. get some sunshine. Yeah. Talk to an, another adult that has nothing to do with right. the medical condition right. at this time. Yeah. Just go away for a little mm-hmm. while, you know. Mm-hmm. And love on the siblings. And love on the siblings. Yes, yes. I think Have one a of special time with them. Right. One of the, right. the hardest things, I think, as a a caregiver, a mother, father, is when you have one child sick in the hospital, mm-hmm. the others, and you have mm-hmm. guilt about that, mm-hmm. that That's you are right. having to choose who you're mm-hmm. going to be with. And so if you know that the healthy siblings are on a play date that's fun or they're going on a little trip or they're getting picked up every day for school or they're in a safe environment, they're getting fed healthy meals, Right. that right. really takes a big load. It takes it a huge load yeah. off. I, I had a mother who uh, lived far away and her, her sisters came to town and you know they brought the siblings up and and they she gave them tickets to the zoo mm-hmm. so the mother got away from the bedside mm-hmm. and took the her her other children to the zoo for the day or they brought lunch and took them to the to the riverside right. and mm-hmm. they just walked and had lunch in the park yeah. you know so little things mean a lot to yeah. families and right. um, so as much as possible, support them with phone calls or what other what other things. Sometimes I think pushing a little bit. Some families have a little bit of pride, right? Mm-hmm. And won't ask and won't you know mm-hmm. they don't want people to see their vulnerabilities, right? Mm-hmm. But um, I've had families suffer in silence, right? Exactly. And and it, it comes to a head sometimes, mm-hmm. and so you need to kind of check on them a little bit more and just you know. See how they're doing and, right. and encourage, as I said, that good self-care. And right. part of that self-care is leaving the bedside, taking a break. And that's where I think you all are so invaluable to that is being able to encourage them and say, you are, by taking care of yourself, you're better taking care of your baby. baby. And so mm-hmm. getting a break and walking away. And I even, you know, I was there in the old hospital, and so they didn't have an outdoor cafeteria or any of those things. I would often just go sit on the sidewalk mm-hmm. and lay down just so I could feel the sun on my mm-hmm. face. Okay. Because in the pediatric mm-hmm. ICU back then, there were no windows, so mm-hmm. you didn't even know whether it was sunny or rainy. Mm-hmm. Wow. And so... Just Mm -hmm. having that sunshine. So Mm -hmm. when we were, we got to be a part of designing the new hospital, we were adamant that there would be an outdoor cafeteria part Mm -hmm. just so families could feel the Mm -hmm. heat or Mm -hmm. the wind or the breeze. Mm -hmm. Um, And so taking a walk or, Mm -hmm. you know, taking a day or two where they don't come to the hospital hospital. and they, you know, know that they miss those rounds, but they trust that the social work team or someone from the care team, they can always call their nurse and find out. So get an update. Get an update. Mm -hmm. Well, thank y'all so much for coming on and um, just sharing your wisdom and sharing your years of social work and 
the way that you love on families and encourage families. And um, we're just thankful for you and your team. We know that personally, Labonner, we, we know so many of the social workers at Labonner and that they are the cream of the crop and <laughs> the best of the best. And so we are so thankful for the social workers there and we're thankful for your service. Um, I don't know if you get thanked enough. And so the Forcements Fund is so thankful. We work probably the most close uh, with social work because the majority of our referrals come from the social work team because you are the front lines mm-hmm. of knowing what a family needs and so from us to you thank you and um we just appreciate y'all being here today and thank you for what you do thank you for having us thank you for having us thank you for all that you do (laughs) thank you so much thank you for listening to our latest episode we hope that this podcast is a resource for you and a source of support whether you are facing illness in your own family or want to walk beside other families dealing with childhood illness. We want the stories, wisdom, and knowledge shared to give you hope. Episodes will be released bi-weekly, so be sure to subscribe today.